You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. Curiosity, an archaic gesture alive inside of us. Curious City is a project out of WBEZ, Chicago Public Media. You get to ask us the questions that you've always wondered about Chicago, the region, or its people. Here's some examples. What were the first businesses here? Why do we have temporary bacteria warnings that prevent you from swimming in the summertime in Lake Michigan? Are the lights on the trees at Christmas time there all year round, or do they put them up only at Christmas time? You can submit your questions at our website, curiouscity.wbez.org. And we put those questions up for a public vote, and the winners get investigated. And sometimes our reporters also pick questions they like and report on those, too. That's right. I'm Jennifer Brandel, the producer of Curious City. I'm Sean Ali, the editor. And I'm Logan Jaffe, the intern. So in this mega episode of the Curious City podcast, you'll learn how they clean Cloudgate, a.k.a. the bean sculpture in Millennium Park, why left-hand turn signals can be so short in Chicago, and you'll learn how the distinctive Chicago accent formed. Don't you mean Chicago? Chicago. 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 <laughs> accent formed. Question one. So, Sean, Jen, yes, would you rather Uh-oh. <laughs> lick the bean in Millennium Park or lick the bottom of your shoe? Ooh, <laughs> wow. Um, I say since I walk my dog a lot in places where other dogs get walked and do doggy things, I guess I'd pick the bean. Are you sure? I know. It's a, it's do you t- know how often they clean it? Well. Is it a cold day? Because that thing's made out of metal. I'm just kind of curious <laughs> if I'm going to be licking something. Is it going to be an issue of would my tongue stick to the thing? So for not? you, it's not really about like the the germs or cleanliness. No, I of figure the... both are pretty dirty. Is it a cold day? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I would pick the bean. <laughs> Why do you ask, Logan? Okay, so first to the bean. Officially named Cloudgate by its creator, the sculpture sits in Millennium Park and it's one of Chicago's most popular tourist attractions. Tim Garibay, who we approached on the street one day while he was doing land survey work for the city, he had a question about it. I guess I've always wondered about how they, uh, how do they clean the, the bean at Millennium Park. Because I know that they close it down every couple months for a day or so. So as we jumped into answering how the bean is actually kept clean... We figured we should consider how it actually gets dirty in the first place. What's the first thing you girls want to do when you see the bean? Touch, Touch it. it. Touch it. Well, besides take a photograph of it, I want to see myself in it and... I want to touch it and see how the image reflects of me touching it. So what's the grossest thing you've seen on the bean? Boogers. They're slimy and hard to come off. That's how I know they're boogers. A combination of dust and dirt. People stick their gum on there? Yeah, just spit at it. The bird debris is the hardest because the sun bakes it on there, and you really got to scrub it to get off. What is the craziest thing you've ever seen on the bean? Uh, I wouldn't recommend putting your tongue on the, on the object in February. Lipstick, that's basically what I see, a lot of lipstick, and I, I found that to be weird. That would be my advice, don't kiss the bean. It just so happens that a couple weeks after Tim asked his question, the bean was due for its biannual bath. While a janitorial staff does microclean the bean a couple times a day with this liquid tide solution and microfiber cloth, the sculpture gets this really deep clean, this scrub, twice a year. And it's done by this specialty cleaning company called Stuart Dean. And the cleaning is done all in the middle of the night. 
Well, actually, it's done in the middle of three nights, long after the Millennium Park is closed and long after visitors are sleeping. The two cleaners, Paul Dickens and Dion Reed, start at midnight and they end around 6 a.m. On the first night, they set up all of the scaffolding and mostly work on the top part of the bean. And that's also where all of the bird poop is, which actually takes some intense power hosing and scrubbing to remove. Then on the second night, there's more hosing, there's more scrubbing, and this is particularly aimed at the bean's underbelly. By the end of the night, the entire bean has actually been cleaned. And then, on the third night, the bean is buffed and waxed. I feel like this should be a Jewish fable. Like, on the second night, the bean's underbelly was clean. <laughs> and on the do, third do, night... Do, 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 do. It's like the story of Hanukkah. It, it was waxed. Right down in, right downtown. It's a miracle. <laughs> a miracle on Michigan Avenue. Okay, sorry. Go on. <laughs> and similar to using Tide, the wax is a really common brand that you can actually buy at Home Depot. And what's interesting is that none of the cleaning agents are particularly special, the bean's cost of maintenance can be anywhere between thirty-five dollars and $50,000 a year. But Millennium Park pays all of this through unrestricted endowments, so none of this money comes from taxpayer dollars. And lucky for you, we made a video and took a bunch of photos of the whole cleaning process. And you can see all of that at wbez.org slash Curious City. I do want to say, though, if I were, like, you know, maybe not now because I'm getting old and it would be hard for me to clean the bean every day, but I would take a paycheck of 35 to 50 grand just to clean that thing every day, right? I mean, that seems like a lot of money for just like a simple thing that maybe one person could do for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just people who are just unrestrictedly in love with Millennium Park and the Bean. They're, they just throw this money to the city and they're like, okay, do what you want with it. And, you know, it just shows it's like the symbol of love for the city. Maybe they should hand out microfiber cloths to all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> As you're visiting it, you can just wipe off whatever schmutz you got right. on like it. You can kiss slides. the bean, but you have to wipe off your lipstick. Well, exactly. I mean, the grime is is you know crowdsourced. Why wouldn't the cleaning be <laughs> crowdsourced as well? Listen up, it's a fair question. It's <laughs> a great question. Question two. Our second question comes from Steve Edwards, and if his name sounds familiar, it might be because he was a longtime host at WBEZ, but he recently left and took a job with the Institute of Politics at the University of Chicago. So Curious City has this weekly segment on the show called The Afternoon Shift that Steve used to host, and we thought for our last show with him, we'd break our rule of only taking questions from the public just this one time to surprise him with, well, we'll let you hear for yourself. We took on one additional question recently from someone who's close to your heart, Steve, and um, here it is. I know I can't participate because I work here, but you know what my question is, if I were just to, to come up with one right now? Why are the vast majority of the <laughs> left-hand turn signals in the city of Chicago uh, only on for less than 10 seconds? Yes! Yes! <laughs> you might recognize that voice as your own. <laughs> yes, this is, this, I cannot figure this out. This annoyed me for years. Well, we hopefully will take that annoyance away with some insight and information <laughs> for you. I spoke with this guy, Joe Spadale, this morning from the Traffic Control Corporation in Woodridge. And he's an expert who's familiar with how traffic systems work around the state and Chicago. And he says there's two main types of systems. One's called an actuated system, and that's basically like an on-demand
command system. So if you're a car and you're pulling up to a stoplight, there's either a camera or a sensor there to show to let the light know that, hey, I'm here, I want to make a left-hand turn. Right. And it'll work for people. So if there's 20, 20 cars in the left turn lane, it'll be a longer left light for those cars. That's the on-demand actuated system. The other one is called a fixed time system. And that's just a sequence that's repeated over and over again, always the same amount of time, always the same light you know sequence yeah and so here's what joe says about how things work in chicago downtown the immediate downtown grid is going to be a fixed time system because uh, an actuated system just will not work there's too much volume and not enough spacing it would become even more congested uh, between signals so you've probably noticed like on major streets like state street You'll see a light turn green, and then the next 10 ahead of you, you can tell, are turning green. Yes. That's showing you it's a fixed time system. So it's basically a giant brain of these traffic lights. And if if they were working on demand, let's say for more cars that needed to make a left-hand turn, it would just turn into chaos downtown. Ah, okay, this makes sense to me now, because then at that point in time, okay, we'd have lots of people going through left, but then the lights ahead are now turning red, and you've got more traffic backed up into the intersection. Exactly. And it's chaos. Yeah. Okay. So well, that- the, the benefit is, like, volume. You can get a lot more cars cars through in the city but the downside is the left-hand turn signal you know the left-hand turners get the short shrift and sometimes the signals as short as five seconds is it as short as five it's as short okay, as five so i'm not you're I'm not, not crazy. Going crazy here no it can be just <laughs> long enough to get one car i mean through. i felt that way at times i'm sitting there I'm like, just, 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 but, ah, it's it's over now are you kidding <laughs> well speaking of that joe actually had a word of caution for you steve if oh. you are frustrated at the left-hand turn signals in Chicago, there might be a reason. There are license plate readers as well that can identify him and uh, give him a shorter green. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> of course he's joking. But uh, the good news is is that there's a federal law in place where cities have to revisit their traffic signals and how they're working every two years. And if you think that there's a left-hand turn signal that's just way out of whack, you can actually call 311 and put in a request for them to take a look at that light. So I you have power. I, I love you both right now. This is so <laughs> helpful. This has been gnawing at me for years. You've gotten to the bottom of it. I actually understand now. Now, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to be <laughs> grateful for the system we have in place. And occasionally I might call 311 as well. So. <laughs> Good for you. You may remember this or not from the web story, but what do you think? Okay, so you heard with the shortest left-hand turn signal is mm-hmm. in Chicago, which is like as short as five seconds. Where do you think the longest one is, and how long do you think it's on Ooh. for? Ooh, that's a good question. I would take a stab at, I think, Vincennes. So where is that again? Uh, it's on the south side of the city. Mm-hmm. If you're heading north, I would think it would be like Vincennes and maybe maybe around Marquette or something like that. My experience is something like maybe 10, 15 seconds maybe. Wow, that's but a lot. But it feels long. Okay, so you mm. think it's a south side light, 15 seconds yeah. long. Okay, okay. I think I, th- I don't think it's on the south side. I think it's somewhere on the north side in kind of a, a slower-paced part of the city. And I don't think – I think 15 is a little too long. I think I'd go for like 8 to 10. Okay, max left-hand turn, 8 to 10 seconds. Yeah. Sean's 15. Yeah. All right, let me blow your minds here. Let me get my notes. <laughs> Um, the longest left-hand turn light signal in Chicago is 80 seconds long. <laughs> so that's a minute and 20 seconds for all you people who like to convert. 
during rush hour, and that is going southbound on Ridge and Hollywood, so heading on to Lakeshore Drive, which when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because there are a ton of people trying to zip on the Lakeshore Drive there, but 80 seconds left-hand turn lane. That's amazing. Yeah, come to think of it, it does feel long. Yeah. yeah I have experienced that one. Question three. So where are you guys from? Uh, I'm from Lake Zurich, a suburb northwest of here. All right. How about you, Logan? I'm from Miami. All right. Do you think people can tell that from your voices, like where you're from? I hope not. I've been working my whole life to make it less obvious. Okay. Well, (laughs) this is the kind of question that's definitely on the minds of a lot of Curious City fans. In fact, one of our more popular stories lately was about accents, and it went something like this. What is the origin of of the lovable Chicago accent. Lovable in quotes. <laughs> yeah, lovable in quotes. <laughs> Love it or leave it. I have a reminder for you. We had reporter Annie Minoff get uh, pretty geeked about this question, and she remembered that fun little skit from Saturday Night Live. I think it was from like the early 1990s or something, and here it is if uh, you haven't heard it in a while. Still recovering from that dreadful heart attack. With me as always are the super fans, Pat Arnold. Hey, Bob. Carl Walarski. Hey, Bob. And Todd O'Connor. How are you, Bob? Real good. Real good. Once again, we're coming to you from Dicka's Restaurant, the heart of Chicago, the city of the big... All right, so the giggles that you heard in there, I guess that's recognition for what, you know, seemed to be the Chicago accent, according to the people in the skit. And it's a skit, though, right? So it's exaggerated. But Annie Min have talked to um, these linguists about where this Chicago accent comes from and why it's in Chicago in the first place. And she reported this out quite a bit, and a lot of it's really interesting. You should just head to the website, look for that wbez.org slash Curious City. It's very comprehensive. The gist, though, is that linguists say that the real difference is in the vowel sounds, not necessarily in that da bears kind of consonant sound that you might kind of think from the skit. Um, so it's in things like ah, bears, how that vowel is formed. It's kind of elongated, and it sounds kind of like doubled. And it's likely also that this accent didn't really originate in Chicago in the first place. It came from workers from New England who emigrated to Chicago and they did so because they were creating the Erie Canal and they all moved here at once and they kind of became socially relevant and very important in Chicago and so it just kind of stuck like a lot of different uh, accents do over time. Hmm. Sounds like we got it licked so what's the next step? Well we wanted to take it a little further than this to see if linguists could tell whether the Chicago accent is changing something they, they know or they suspect anyway is actually happening. So we had this linguist create a script for us that we could ask regular people and they would submit samples. And we had regular people call in, tell a little bit about themselves, and then they read this script for us over the phone. And they also answered some questions like, have they grown up in Chicago? How long have they lived here? Whether their parents grew up in Chicago, whether their grandparents did that sort of thing. Anyway, so we got a little information and a sample from them. Yeah, I, I remember I kept hearing you giggling over some of those voice <laughs> samples. How many do we have at this point? Well, I did say it was pretty popular, or I should have said it was pretty popular. At my last count, it was something like 400 submissions. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we haven't sent any to, the, to our linguists yet, so we don't have the expert's take or findings on all this. So you want to play the expert for me right now? Yeah. All right, so maybe I play you two excerpts, and then you guess which one of the two is, quote, native. All right. Too hot for hockey. Don and Patty took the bus to the gym to watch some hockey. They met their pals, Dawn and Chad. They snacked on nachos, hot dogs, sausage, and pop. 
Then they noticed something odd. The gym was getting hot. Don and Dawn took off their jackets. Wow, okay, that one sounds pretty thick in my estimation. Yeah, you can notice in the A's, really. All right, withhold judgment, though. Okay, okay. withhold right. judgment. Right. Withholding. Okay, and then there's this other excerpt from the same script that's called, aptly, Too Hot for Hockey. Too Hot for Hockey. Don and Patty took the bus to the gym to watch some hockey. They met their pals, Don and Chad. They snacked on nachos, hot dogs, sausage, and pop. Then they noticed something odd. The gym was getting hot. Don and Don took off their jackets. Patty wiped Ooh, okay. I think I'm going to put all my money on numero uno. Yeah, I'm going with one, too. Okay, why do you say that? Well, the second lady had more of the, the O wasn't the eh that I always hear. It's kind of hot. Yeah, she said pop. Pop like, instead she said of pop like I would say pop, not like. Pop. Yeah. Pap. Okay. Well, the big reveal is here that you're correct. Actually, the first (laughs) one was, according to her own submission, was uh, she is native to Chicago, lived in Chicago or Cook County for 30 years. Her parents were born here and her grandparents were born here. And the second one uh, should sound very familiar. That was actually Lauren Chuljan oh, from no our newsroom, <laughs> our, news, uh, <laughs> our news producer and morning news reporter. Um, she has only lived here a few months, um, has, was not born here, and um, I think she's back from, uh, from what, back east? I think New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire. England. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Good guess there. Pop. Pop. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say this person sounds much more refined than my parents do. Right. <laughs> So what's next at this point? Well, again, we want to know whether the Chicago accent is changing. So, you know, linguists think it might be, but these samples might be able to help kind of shed a little light on this since this, since this survey was created partially by linguists. We also wanted to be really clear, too. We wanted to hear what all kinds of Chicagoans actually sound like, regardless of whether they have that stereotypical accent like the one in the Superfan skit, the one from Saturday Night Live. It's mostly because that accent is strongest among white people and not necessarily Latinos and blacks or people who didn't speak English as a first language in the first place. So and the kicker here is we got a lot of comments about a statement we made in this story um, that Annie wrote up, and I'd like to read you a little section of it here. Uh, This is from someone who identified herself as A.C. Hope. And she says, I'm an African-American woman who was born and raised on Chicago's South Side, but I lived in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. I've also spent a significant amount of time in the South. And she goes on um, to take us to task for this statement in our story that where a couple of the experts said um, that, generally speaking, the African-American accent is very similar across the country. Mm-hmm. Because from her vantage point, she, saw, she heard a lot of differences. Um, she points out, say, differences between Chicago and, say, St. Louis. So this is a really interesting point and, um, you know, kind of in the vein of what we're trying to do here with Curious City and kind of keep that conversation going. I'm going to ask Annie to take a look at that and see um, if we might have experts weigh in with a little more detail, either firm that up or maybe uh, challenge that a little bit. Yeah, that's so interesting because if you think about, you know, how you develop an ear for anything, it's because you spend a lot of time around a group. And so, you know, I'd be curious to know how many linguists are African-American as well listening to these samples and saying that they're pretty similar when maybe they're not. Yeah, it's a good question. So Annie Minoff is going to be taking that up for us, and uh, stay tuned. (laughs) 
You can keep up with all Curious City doings at wbez.org slash Curious City for lots more stories, videos, and photos. And you can also look for us on Facebook and Twitter. And one more thing, if you're in Chicago, we're doing our first ever live event. It's a pub trivia quiz. Yeah, it's like the usual pub trivia where you team up with folks to answer questions, but all the questions have been asked to Curious City. And we'll have videos and more for answers. And there's going to be medals. Like, you could win a medal and wear it. Exactly. It's (laughs) going to be at the Haymarket Pub and Brewery on the evening of Tuesday, November 20th. You can get more info at wbez.org. Hope to see you there. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to Adam Pindle for producing our podcast. And thanks to Timothy Speedlovich for the excellent Curiosity Quotes. Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandell, WBEZ, Ziga, and AIR, the Association for Independence in Radio. Lead financial support comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And a treat if you're still listening. Ever heard of Scott Simon, host of Weekend Edition Saturday on NPR? He asked us this question. Scott Simon, native Chicagoan, native Northsider. And I've had a question ever since I was a kid, and we used to hear about it all the time. Is John Dillinger's penis really in a medical museum? (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you know if we get an answer to that one.